You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Well, let us get started today. Uh, Like Pastor Riz mentioned, we are in the series of Proverbs, and it's such an exciting series. I love the Proverbs. They're so clear, right? It's black or white, do this, don't do that. It's pretty much teaching us how not to be a jerk, right? Um, And to me, you know, wisdom um, has always been um, personified by Uh, a goddess, right, or a beautiful creature. But to me, Proverbs and the wisdom, it makes me think of a really old grandma who's just a little bit grumpy and is just telling you how to live your life, right? Do this, don't do that. Uh, So let's engage with Proverbs in that way today. Um, God has a lot to teach us through this. It's also really special that we're moving from a series of the miracles of Jesus to Proverbs, in the miracles of Jesus, we were inspired, right, Um, to just hear about what uh, miracles God does, did then, continues to do in our life today. And now we're Proverbs, we're not just inspired, we're taking that inspiration and learning the how-to, right? How do I actually practice this? How do I um, engage with this type of um, wisdom in a day-to-day basis. And we need that. It's very clear that God wanted us to have this book for guidance. So today we're going to explore some common themes throughout Proverbs, honesty, integrity, and justice. So our conversation today will be an honest pursuit of justice. Join me in reading Proverbs 21.3. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Short and sweet. Join me in prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this beautiful day. Thank you, Lord, that you are so good. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is in each and every one of our hearts, Lord, acting and guiding us on a day-to-day basis. Thank you that you pursue us, Lord. Thank you that you know us, you love us. We rejoice in you, Lord. Today, I just pray that you work on our hearts, that we can leave before you anything that's holding us back, any kind of fear or anxiety, that we just leave it at your feet, and that you work in our hearts and in our minds to really translate this message into what we need to hear, Lord. Will you be the one that speaks here today? Not me, but you, Lord. And will you just bless this church, bless our church family who's joining virtually as well. And will you continue to shine and lead each and every one of us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let us get started. What is justice, right? That is a huge topic. It's a heavy one as well. Many times we relate it to the justice system and we can ask, is the justice system just? Every field that you might be in might have a different um, definition of justice. 
but God calls us to choose justice. Let's explore the world's definition, right? Um, Cornell University, their Legal Information Institute, defines it as justice is the ethical, philosophical idea that people are to be treated <clears throat> impartially, fairly, properly, and reasonably. That seems fair, right? People treated righteously, that aligns with what we say. But who sits at the table making these decisions? Is there bias when assessing justice, right? Are the, are the systems biased in which justice is assessed? I shared with you all a couple of weeks back, my training is in public health. So let's explore the way public health talks about justice. And if we can go to the next slide. So I love this image. I think it's very clear, very straightforward. Um, and there's a lot of um, vocab that public health likes to use. And we throw out words like inequality, equity, justice. What does it all mean, right? So if you look at the top corner with inequality, we're talking about unequal access to opportunities. We move a step down, and that's equality. That means evenly distributed tools and assistance. So as you can see, we live in a broken world that's run by broken people, right? There are going to be issues. The systems that we live in are not equitable. And there are some folks, like the child, right, that's receiving, that have greater access to opportunities or tools or better health. And there are others that don't have that same opportunity. So when you talk about equality, you're talking about giving both kids a chance, the same chance. Unfortunately, for folks on the other side of the tree, right, who had a harder time accessing these tools of our, or opportunities, they need a little bit more help. And so then you move to um, equity. And that is when you righteously assess what each of these children need to reach the fruit, right? And one of those children needed a taller ladder to make sure that they were uh, reaching the apples. But then you talk about justice, right? So if we remain at equity, that's great. But it also means that over time, the cost will continue to increase because you'll continue to need to build these ladders for folks. Whereas, if you pursue justice, you're pursuing a change to the system to make sure that in the future, those children have equal access to the fruit that this tree is giving. And that is my work on a day-to-day -day basis, is to pursue that fixing of the systems that we live in through policy, legal change, to make sure that families who live in poverty can have greater access to the tools and the health that they deserve. But what does God have to say about justice? Join me in reading Isaiah 30, 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. We're being told, right? Lord is a God of justice. God is justice. Let's look at Luke 18, 7 through 8. 
And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And time and time again, right, in the Bible, we see God just coming through for his children and pursuing justice in every avenue. It is this same justice that he encourages to pursue today. Let's pause for a second. Can I have each and every one of you right now just close your eyes and think about a time when you've experienced injustice? Did someone take something that belonged to you? Did someone hurt you emotionally, physically? How did you feel? Did someone come to your rescue? Were you able to speak up? You can open your eyes. I know for all of us, we've all experienced injustice, right? In one way or another, we've all experienced what it feels like to be treated unfairly. And that righteous indignation that comes with that, right? <clears throat> In wanting to, to make things better, I don't know about you, but sometimes I walk away from interactions like that with, you know, oh, I should have said this, or oh, I could have, I could have also said this other thing. And it's always this feeling of could have, should have, would have, right? And if so-and-so would have spoken up for me, or if this had happened, there's a lot of ifs. And we must know, right, that God is in those moments as well, and he's protecting us, and he will defend us. He says that the vengeance is his, and he's the one looking out for us, and he's a good father. Let's look at Galatians 5, 16 to 24. And I want us to look here because when we talk about justice, when we talk about honesty and integrity, at least for me, the first thing that came to mind was fruits of the Spirit. Right? But let's take a closer look. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warn those who do such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Notice that honesty, integrity, and justice are not explicitly listed here as one of the fruits of the Spirit. And notice the tension in which the text describes that world that we live in, right? The flesh versus the Spirit. The fruit that we're producing, either from the flesh or the spirit, will influence our day-to-day -day actions. 
So if you are living rooted in Christ, it's likely that it's, it'll be an easier choice to choose honesty, integrity, and justice. But I say a choice because a choice entails focused decision-making and an intentional pursuit of justice. Unlike the fruits of the Spirit, which are born by abiding, these, virtue, these virtues are a choice that we make. And let's think about this. So have any of you, you know, woken up, did your Bible study in the morning, you're feeling great, oh, all this peace, excitement for the day comes up, and, you know, you text your friends the Bible verse, and, you know, you send a blessing to folks, you start your day super excited, and then someone at work is a little snappy that day. It's like, okay, let it go. God bless them. By the third or fourth time, by the 4, 4 p.m. call, you're tired. Maybe you didn't have time to eat. You're hungry. And you have a conversation with that colleague of yours who's just a little bit harder to love, right? And it's a choice at that point because your flesh might want to say or snap back or say something that's not as kind, but you choose in that moment to remain kind, to remain rooted in Christ, and to choose to treat them fairly. It is in those moments of tension and exhaustion that we make the choice to be honest, to act with integrity, and to pursue justice. And you may be asking, why is it a choice? Because justice can sometimes be countercultural. Justice isn't always in our best interest. Sometimes it's rightfully in the interest of others. So it takes extra energy, extra intention, and extra attention to choose justice. Let's read Isaiah 1:17. Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. It doesn't say, if you are oppressed, seek justice. If you're fatherless, seek justice. If you're a widow, seek justice. It's putting that onus on each and every one of us here to pursue the well-being of those who are vulnerable. The oppressed, the fatherless, the widow. We are to pursue justice even if it's countercultural, even if it's not what the world is telling us that we should seek, even if it's against our best worldly interests. Let me bring up another public health model. It's called the public health intervention wheel. And this is the way that we assess what kind of interventions we want to have in public health. We start with the individual and family we move up to community, and then we talk about systems. And let me give you an example. In the individual and family um, circle, that sometimes is a little bit easier to understand. For example, our food distribution. That is a solution uh, to public health that we would seek as the individual and family solution because we are providing resources at that one-on-one -on -one level. Community. We're supporting and helping the community around us, right, by seeking this public health solution to a very real issue, which is hunger. 
But what would it look like for all of us to come together and think about a policy solution to address the need these families are having before they even have it, right? Or to prevent future children from ever being hungry. We can talk about perhaps raising minimum wage. We can talk about having food stipends. What if there were state-mandated $500 inputs for folks making X number or living under the poverty level that would receive the support on a month-to-month basis? That's actually something that uh, the government tried during COVID-19, and it supported so many people. It lifted people out of poverty. Unfortunately, those resources are going away because the pandemic is done. Um, But we know that it's solutions that work. So I want to engage us in this example to help us think about our day-to-day life. How is it easier to seek justice at that individual level, right? Let's say you're getting promoted and you're excited and then you realize your coworker who has been there a longer time, who is killing it at the job, didn't get that promotion. Are you willing and able to speak up for them? Let's say you're working on a project and you're, you have great negotiation skills and you get a great deal, but you know you could have paid them more, but this contractor really needed the work and so they gave in to the number that you asked. Are you seeking justice for them in wanting to pay them what you could, right? Something fair for the work that they're doing, even if it comes at a cost to you. Let's say you don't get charged at a store for something you purchased. Do you go back? Or do you say, ooh, that was nice, I got this for free. Right, it's the small decisions that sometimes we have that, should I do this, should I do this? Maybe I'll just stay quiet, I'm I'm being benefited by this. Community level, how are you providing opportunities to those around you, your family, your church family, right? How are you bringing those up? And then systems level, like we were talking about, those policy changes, systems changes. Are you advocating for laws and systems that will protect the most vulnerable? Take, for example, the safety net. Food stamps, Medi-Cal or Medicare, government programs that protect the well-being of those living in poverty. Many times, these are on the chopping block because when we're talking about budgets, they're expensive. But how are we approaching these decisions? Sometimes these feel a little far away, right? Oh, we'll let the folks in DC figure that out. We'll let local politicians figure that out. I'm just living my day to day. But are we pausing to acknowledge the dignity of those fellow brothers and sisters? That regardless of how much money they make, their skin color, the language they speak at home, they are God's children and we're called to protect them and to pursue justice for them? What if for a second we suspend our own bias and we ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus be okay with the way that we treat children living in poverty? 
those children in foster care, those who are houseless, what would Jesus say? Jesus came to save the most vulnerable, right? He came to sit at the table with the folks that were left out of the conversation. Lepers, tax collectors, folks that weren't invited in, right? And he stood up for them. He didn't make a beeline to talk to the most powerful people of the time and say, ooh, okay, I'm going to be with the powerful people and then affect change. No, he lived counterculturally. And that's what he calls us to do today. And that's why he blesses us. We talked a couple of weeks ago, right, that God multiplies our blessings. He provides. And when we're able to step in and play the role that God wants us to play, he multiplies those blessings. Who are the most marginalized today? Immigrants, those living in poverty, folks in jail, how are we representing Jesus and advocating for them? So, if Jesus had this countercultural way of approaching life, how do we do that? We're not perfect. We're also not expected to be perfect, right? God says that in our weakness, his strength is perfected. So today, I want us to explore who we are and whose we are. We must be rooted in Christ to engage in this journey of justice. Who is God? He is your father. He is the ultimate judge. He is all-powerful, and he loves you. Who are you? You are God's child. You are chosen by God, redeemed and forgiven, a citizen of heaven, established, anointed, and sealed by God. You're God's temple. You're a minister of reconciliation. You're God's ambassador. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And this is a really important point because I think our power comes from knowing who we are, right? If we are rooted in Christ, if we are abiding in Christ on a day-to-day basis, then those fruits of the Spirit will come naturally and these decisions will come a lot more easily. Proverbs is also very clear. You reap what you sow, so cultivate the good. In the screen, you'll see um, a couple of Bible verses, more than a couple, and I'll just go through a couple of them. So, the good. Righteousness delivers from death. Integrity of the upright guides them. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live. The offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Faithful envoy brings healing. Uprightness fears the Lord. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Blessed are his children. Righteous man knows the rights of the poor. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. So, so clearly, Proverbs here is letting us know, if you choose the good, you can bring healing. You can be this envoy to support. Your children will be blessed by you playing this role and and serving God in this way. 
but it's also very clear on the bad. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit. The crookedness of treacherous destroys them. He who pursues evil will die. The evil person will not go unpunished. He who, who is devious in his ways despises the Lord, will not escape, will perish. The wicked accepts a bribe in secret to pervert the ways of justice. Whoever oppresses the poor to increase their own wealth will only come to poverty. Do not rob the poor because he is poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate, for the Lord will plead their cause and rob, rob of life those who rob them. So it's very clear that God is defending his children, right? And that if we were to engage in the bad, that there are consequences. So let's continue to be so rooted in Christ that those decisions come easier and we can cultivate the good. And everybody around us will be blessed by it. Not just you immediately, but like we said in that model, right? Your family, your community, and even the system that you're in. The, the way that God has placed you in a very specific um, way to serve him in a specific field. So... That was a lot. Let's take a deep breath. That can be a little heavy, and sometimes God is able to use this, right, to call to our attention opportunities for growth, opportunities to be intentional. It doesn't mean that we're sitting here waking up in the morning and thinking of evil ways to engage. We're not like that, right? This isn't mega mind. This isn't let me, let me plan an evil plan of the day. It isn't like that. And sometimes these unjust decisions uh, come up because we're tired, right? Because we don't know. Maybe sometimes we don't know if we should speak up for that coworker, if it's the right thing for us to do. But the only way to do this work more intentional is to be practicing on a day-to-day -day basis, to do assessment. Something that we do um, at work is constantly evaluate our work, assess our work, and then pivot if it's not working, right? So today I invite each and every one of us to really explore our hearts. How are we doing? I put together a couple of questions for us. How am I intentionally pursuing justice on a day-to-day -day basis? Is it easier for me to seek justice for myself, for my family, or for others? How can I better live out a life full of honesty, integrity, and justice? How do I act when no one is looking? How do I act towards others when I know I won't get any recognition for it? Am I suspending my own bias when seeking righteousness for others? And what is one way I can pursue justice this week, this month, right? What are some practical ways? So I'll invite our worship band up as I was engaging with Proverbs and this topic this week, again, what really fell on my heart was the fact that these are hard conversations to have, but Jesus invites us to have those hard conversations. He says, right, come and wrestle with me, ask these questions. So let's bring our hearts, our careers, our opportunities, let's bring everything to him. 
Let's continue to be so rooted in Christ that whatever the, the noise of the world is at that time, we can silence that, bring it down, and continue to live rooted in God, serving God, and advancing God's justice on this earth. Let me pray for us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this beautiful day. Thank you, Lord, that you are here. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for so clearly speaking to us and guiding us the way any father would. Thank you that you care about our hearts, our well-being, our now, our past, our future. And I just pray over each and every one of us here this morning that you continue to use us, that we can be so blessed to continue living in your will and doing your will. We love you so much, and we put all these things before you. In Jesus' name, amen.